Are you an adventurer looking to take your hunt to the next level? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the East Meets West Hunt podcast presented by Onyx. So Onyx has a new feature, or I guess I should say an improved feature, um, and that is the the addition to some additional weather stations within the app. So Onyx wants to continue to make their app the one-stop shop for everything when it comes to scouting, hunting within within the one platform and in the bottom right hand corner when you have the app pulled open there'll be a little feature little weather icon that has the temperature there and you can click on that and get a whole bunch more information they partnered weather underground which is what i use for looking at history of weather in areas when i'm referencing trail cam data i'm looking at future weather everything planned in my hunts and that feature is a great addition to Onyx, combining two of my favorite uh, platforms for hunting. And if you're interested in the Onyx Hunt app, you can use the coupon code EMW. That'll save yourself 20% off. Now, that code only works off the Onyx website. You have to go to onyxmaps.com and purchase the app there. It does not work in the Google Play or the Apple Store. So just uh, let you know that. In addition, Corey Jacobson and Elk 101 have put together the most comprehensive elk hunting learning course available. Something that I've been going through now for four years will be year number five here in 2020. Would highly recommend you signing up for that course and trying it out now. If you plan on elk hunting next year, the year following, or whatever that might be, all you can do is gain information from this course. I mean, everything from beginning to end is there in regards to elk hunting. If you use the coupon code East Meets West, you'll save yourself 20% off the annual membership. So if you head over to elk101.com, click on the University of Elk Hunting icon, and that'll bring you up to the right place there. Maven Optics. So Maven has developed the highest quality optics available and at half the price of their competitors through their direct consumer business model. They want to be the face with their 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 buyers, all their customers. They want to be the ones that are talking to them. They don't care about being the biggest company out there. They're a customer service based company that's just developing the highest quality glass. The B3 8x30s are my favorite whitetail hunting glass. Very small, lightweight, compact with the same ED glass that's available in some of their bigger B-series binos. So check those out over at mavenbuilt.com. If you use the coupon code EASTMEETSWEST-GIFT, get yourself a free gift with any full price optics order. So check that out. And lastly, Heather's Choice. So if you've been following along with any of my stuff or listening to the podcast for a while, you know that I use Heather's Choice meals on any of my backpack hunts, my truck camping hunts, and I have the packerins in my pack at all times on whitetail hunts, scouting, whatever that might be. It's high-fat, high-protein foods that are healthy for you, gluten-free, dairy-free, and very good high quality coming straight out of Alaska. And so if you use the coupon code East Meets West, you'll get free shipping on any orders, um, any orders at all. Before it was over $99. Now Heather changed that. So all of you can get them on any order, which is a big deal coming from Alaska. So check that out at heatherschoice.com. All right. So this episode is going to be a little bit different than some of the ones that I've done in the past. And what the difference is, is this is going to be a solo episode. I'm doing this one by myself. I'm going to talk about the my whitetail season to date. Basically a recap of the archery season and a little bit into rifle hunting here. Uh, go through 
some of you know the, the good things that happened, some of the things I want to improve on, just kind of a full reflection or hot wash, however you want to call it, of that. And in addition to that, I'm going to break down all the gear I'm using and why I'm using it. So to, to basically get started, I this was uh, the second year in a row now that I did not fill my archery whitetail tag in Pennsylvania. And up to that point, I was on a pretty decent streak where I was lucky and was able to fill my tag for like seven years in a row or something like that, six years in a row. And I've struggled the last couple of years in the archery season. And I mean, there's, I've kind of broke it down to a, a, you know, a bunch of different things. And the, the biggest thing that, that I've noticed personally with that is from, from looking at it is I'm, I spread myself really thin this year. And so I guess, first of all, I should say that this is not me sitting here trying to make excuses for anything, but this is, you know, self-evaluation. And I think that can help anybody from looking at it. I mean, hunting mountain whitetails, uh, Pennsylvania or anywhere on the East coast or really whitetails anywhere it can be extremely humbling. And as much as you think you may know or not know, uh, they'll, they'll always throw you for a curveball. So this year I set out to, I, I had a goal of hunting a little bit different caliber deer than I have in the past. I was looking for four and a half year old deer and that was kind of my plan. And I'm not, I, I don't consider myself a trophy hunter or however you want to put it. I mean, up to this point, I've just, you know, shot whatever made me happy. And, and I've had goals a couple of years, you know, prior to that being three and a half year old or older. And I've upped that a little bit this year, but still with, with that being said, I have a hard time with, you know, not pulling the trigger from something that's going to give me a good show or a good hunt. And, and that's, uh, so, so anyways, I, I set out for a little bit different caliber deer in early, it was November 1st, I believe I had an encounter with a, a nice three-year-old eight point. Um, probably if you're going to look at it from a, an inches standpoint, probably about 115 to 118 inch eight point. And I had him at 14 yards and the first day of my vacation, I decided to pass him. I just wasn't in the, to move the mood to, to shoot him at that point. And there's nothing wrong with that deer. There's nothing wrong with a hundred inch deer. I, I mean, that doesn't matter, but for me and my goals, and I just wasn't ready to be done at that point. So I ended up passing on this deer and then had an encounter with a little bit smaller one later in the week. I had a week off as I talked about in episode 100 when I hunted with Chris Derrick from Sick of Gear and had an encounter with uh, another good buck. And this deer might have even been, he might have been four years old. It was a big body, just deer, but he didn't have a whole lot of headgear on him um, and ended up passing that. But other than that, I, I really struggled until November 9th. So I had the whole week off from work. I took vacation and I had an encounter. And again, if you listen to that episode, you heard where I talked about, I shot a buck and was unable to recover it. And at the time I thought it was a, a one lung hit, but what I hadn't, what I haven't talked about on the podcast here or anywhere else to this point was I ended up getting that deer on my trail camera again, two weeks later hitting a scrape and had him three more times after that. And you can see the wound uh, where I hit him at. And it looks like I missed the vitals. Like I, I literally just, yeah, it looks like it was strictly a muscle wound, which is surprising by the way the blood looked, or maybe I did just clip a lung, but he, he seems to be okay. Seemed to be healthy. Uh, his, his body looked fine. Everything, the, the scar seemed to be healing up and, Again, I hate that that happened, but that's that's what happened. I mean, that's as real as it gets. Sometimes that kind of stuff happens. So that was a that was a relieving feeling that that deer did make it through, and 
And then after that, I mean, that was, I mean, I, I, the way I always look at it is I usually get one or two opportunities at a really good deer a year when it comes to archery hunting. And that was my opportunity and I didn't capitalize on it. So, you know, that's on me. I had my chance and it didn't, it didn't really work out, but Hey, that's, that's deer hunting for you. So our, our season in Pennsylvania, I mean, a lot of the listeners here are from Pennsylvania. So, you know, our season ends in the middle of November this year, it went a little bit longer till I think the 16th. And I had another good encounter, uh, one of the last days of the season that I had, uh, right, right before dark. And once again, I screwed myself by picking up the binoculars, trying to see how big he was. And I missed my chance. It kind of, you know, you know, after hunting all season and everything, you kind of get in your own head a little bit. And I was kind of, I was getting down on myself. Just, it's just pressure I put on myself as far as, you know, when it comes, especially whitetails, I, I don't know. It's just something I've always done. And, and I was kind of kicking myself in the ass about, you know, worrying so much about what's on their head and not, not the, you know, the whole experience with it. But long story short, I did not fill my archery tag. The season closed and went into rifle season opening up here. Um, the end of November, it opened up on a Saturday this year, right after Thanksgiving. And first day I had zero deer sightings and people shooting all around me. <laughs> so in my head, I was thinking, wow, everybody, sh- you know, everyone in the area shot a buck except for me and all the deer are dead. <laughs> but, uh, what I ended up remembering about noon was that I was in a DMAP area. And for what, what that means to anyone that's not from here, they big, you know, plots of land, whether that's private or public, um, they'll issue additional doe tags that are available to hunt even when doe season isn't opened up yet. In my, in my head, that's kind of ass backwards, but it is what it is. There was, so that made sense for why I was here and all the shooting and, a lot of the hunters and stuff that were in the area I had people walking all around me in a spot that I've never seen people in archery season. So that was, you know, kind of disappointing, but, um, you know, following that. So Sunday we couldn't hunt and a buddy of mine, Adam Greenman and myself, we packed into an area, a remote area in Pennsylvania that I've never been to. I've never walked it before, just scouted it with Onyx. And we backpacked in about three miles and and set up tent on Sunday. We planned on scouting, but we got in there a little later than we wanted. Got to walk a little bit up on the hill and and uh, didn't really get much scouting. And so went back down to camp, set that up, and basically it was raining, sleeting, snowing. It was just kind of a mess. And so we you know went to went to bed there at like six o'clock cause you couldn't do anything outside or couldn't get a fire started outside. We, well, we'd have, we got one started. We just couldn't keep it going. I guess the wood was so wet and tried shaving off the bark and doing all the boy scout tricks that I thought I knew how to start a fire, but my ego was hurt pretty, uh, pretty good when neither of us could get one to, to stay going. Um, and then inside of our tent from our, our body temperature and we had my seek outside stove running a little bit inside the teepee tent and that thawed out the ground below us, which turned into mud. And I forgot one of the Tyvek ground sheets that I put underneath the, my air mattress. And so we just used that to store our gear and said, we'll put our pads on the ground. We'll be fine. Well, it turned to complete mud and we just sunk in and all of our gear was just covered in mud. It was just a mess. <laughs> and woke up in the morning to a, you know, blanket full of snow and and just a wet, heavy snow. The sides of the tent were kind of all around our sleeping bag, which made that soaked and my clothes soaked and everything. But um, this is the purpose of you know wearing good gear and and wearing sick of gear that. You know, after I started hiking, I was able to dry it out a little bit in the morning there. 
but we hunted all day and I didn't expect the area to be so thick with beach. So beach trees, beach brush, all the way to the top of the mountain. So a lot of these steep areas I've hunted in Pennsylvania, it'll be really thick at the bottom and with some of that stuff. And as it gets higher, it might get into some mountain laurel. And then the tops are usually, you know, open, picture-perfect oak flats. And that wasn't the case. It was just thick the whole way up and around and really didn't even see any mountain laurel uh, where I was at. So that was different and a little bit discouraging because I was expecting the glass and the snow and be able to see the opposite hillsides. So at that point, it just came down to a tracking game. And we tracked uh, just, I caught up to what it seemed like a couple deer and most likely they were does, but I followed them anyways and ended up bumping them. Never saw them cause how thick it was. I could see like 15 yards at most and then caught a, caught a bear track, fresh bear track coming off the, the mountain, found a giant rub on the side hill and we hunted the rest of the day, went back down, packed up camp and had to pack out because I had to work the next day. So I just so happened to spend all my vacation days in archery. So I had nothing to spend and had to go back to work. But um, the area was, I mean, it was a, a good trip nonetheless. I definitely think that that I'll be going back there in the spring to scout it and kind of have some ideas of areas instead of going in completely blind for one day. But uh, I was, we ran into a guy when we were packing out, such a nice guy. He was way back in there too. And he's like, I never see anybody back here. And the guy had a, so we were planning on packing, packing out the deer. So quartering it up, putting our packs and carrying it out. Well, this guy, I'm like, he doesn't have a pack that looks like he carry a deer or anything. I was, so I asked him, I said, how do you get a deer out? Well, he had a little sled that rolled up and packed into his into his pack that he was planning on pulling it out in the snow that way, which I think would be extremely difficult with how steep everything was. But the guy was really nice and said he used to do the backpack hunts in there, been hunting there since he was 12 years old and gave us a lot of information, some spots to check out and go into the future and stuff. And that was really cool to that, you know, uh, another hunter was willing to help us out like that. So, that was the end of that hunt and fast forward to this past weekend I couldn't get back out till Saturday again and I was uh again just trying to cut a track I was working out around this point and I came across a fresh buck bed well it's actually here's my how my mind works I'm marking an area for next year archery season found this top of this draw comes around a couple logging roads crisscross big scrape big community scrape big rub in the area and then i found this bed about 80 yards away under a hemlock and there was no snow in it and there was tracks coming out but it was tough because we had some little bit of rain overnight and it froze so it's tough to tell fresh tracks but i knew because the bed that that deer hadn't been there that long ago so i just snuck along the the side hill and I was probably, I don't know, 80 yards off the top of the hill, 100 yards off the top of the hill on a logging road to cut across this steep side hill, just slowly walking. But the snow was so crunchy and loud, it was tough to track. But this, what was neat about it was this buck was hitting scrapes the whole way around this logging trail. He wasn't like tearing up the ground, but his tracks went through the scrape and you you could see where he, you know, one of them, I think he pawed up the ground a little bit and I was believing he was hitting the licking branches, checking them, which I've talked about it before, but they'll use those scrapes all year round. And I eventually caught up to this deer, which doesn't happen too often with tracking. It's, it seems like, at least with me, I, I'm not the best at it, but I give it my all. <laughs> and I, I caught up to the buck just as I saw him, I saw his antlers, I pulled up the rifle scope and he was a big old eight point, big tall rack, white horns. And as soon as I clicked the safety off, boom, he jumped down over the bank. So I followed the track down all the way down to the creek bottom and he was heading back in a direction where my wind would have been going right to him. He had the wind, you know, at his back at that point. 
trying to see what was trailing them. So I cut back up over the hill and made a big circle around to try to, I went back and sat right by his bed, hoping that maybe he'd circle around the point and come back up. And it, it didn't work out, but that's, that was my, um, that's my rifle season to date so far. I, uh, I got one more day to hunt this Saturday coming up and it's, it's gonna be my last day to, to go after it's the end of the Pennsylvania rifle season. We do have a late archery muzzleloader season after Christmas, which I haven't had a whole lot of luck in, but, um, I'm really looking forward to Saturday getting out and just, and getting after it for the last day. So keeping a positive mind, positive attitude with it and just, you know, kind of see what happens with that. All right. So let's go back to where I was earlier, where I was a little bit scatterbrained on some of the reflections here. So some of the takeaways is, are that I was spread too thin. So I scouted so many different areas this year, a lot of it planning for the hunt with Chris from Sicky Gear and wanted to just try to find this next level buck, just an old mountain buck in a lot of brand new areas. I ended up spreading myself through five different counties, all these places scouting. And when you do that, it's tough to really get a grasp on what's going on, especially when you have a long drive to these areas. So I think for next year, what I'm going to do is try to narrow it down to about three areas. I like to have areas I can bounce around and I still, you know, may check out some of these spots in the spring that I did this year, but really focus on my three main areas and learn it like the back of my hand. And as the season approaches, you know, really figuring out what the food sources are doing, what the deer are doing. You know, I talked about it back in episode, I think it was 102 with uh, David Miller about the elevation changes in some of these steeper uh, areas where the bucks seem to be lower than they normally were. And so I'm going to try to narrow that down and be efficient with it. You know, just really planning out my, my hunts, you know, better instead of just trying out new areas all the time, which I love doing, but really kind of focus in on a few different areas and hunt those. So the other thing I need to learn to do better is hunt unlimited schedule. So I, I struggle with working five days a week, then hunting one, and you just feel like you're starting to figure something out. And then Sunday you can't hunt. And then you get a whole nother week where anything can change in that time frame, especially during the archery season. So I know what a, what a huge problem to have. Everybody has it, you know, it's, we're all, you know, working men and women and, that's, you know, what I need to learn to deal with, but that, that's where I, again, I, I need to figure out what I want to do there. Cause I hunted after work a lot. And I just couldn't get in the mood to hunt, you know, hard and get my mind in it. Like I, Johnny Stewart says it all the time to me. He says, I'm in work mode and hunt mode. I can't do both. And I, I learned, I struggled with that this year. In previous years, I didn't take as much time when I went out West where this year I took two weeks in Idaho. So I didn't have as much vacation. I just had a week to hunt an archery this year before I'd hunt about two weeks. And I always seemed to be successful in that time because I could keep moving and adapting to the conditions as they change, where when you don't have as much time, it's tougher to do that. So I, I need to learn uh, to, to do that a little bit better and, and figure out you know, how to adapt working around, uh, you know, working schedule. So that's, I'm sure a lot of people struggle with that and it's, you know, normal, but that's one thing that I need to work on. And so the other thing that I'm going to do is, you know, I'm, I'm out scouting a ton. I'm hunting a decent amount and I need to actually take notes after every scouting session or hunt what I saw, what I noticed and observed, you know, I, I mark all these points in Onyx when I find them and stuff, but a lot of times I don't revisit them until after the season or sometimes I forget about them altogether. And that's, that's just invalid data at that point. So I need to do better with staying organized on that side of things. And my dad does it, writes everything in a log book and has for years. And I just never took it up on myself to do that. And I think that would really help, with staying organized and learning and, and being more efficient. So 
those are some of the takeaways that, you know, that I've had from this, this previous, you know, hunting season and struggles. So, I mean, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter how much you think you have an area figured out or how much you think you do or don't know. They can always throw you for a loop and you always have so much to learn. I'm not a great hunter by any means. I definitely put a lot of time into it and, and, you know, try my best, but, um, it's, it's, a it's a fun, it's a fun thing. And I guess the struggles are why we, why we do it and just, and, and keeps motivating us to come back and be better the next year and keep doing it. So I'm super excited to finish out this year and, you know, turn the pages and start getting into 2020 prep as the season never, never really ends. So that's, um, that's basically, uh, how, how my hunting seasons went to this point. And now what I want to dive into is the gear that I use. So this is something that I get asked probably more than anything. So when it comes to like Western hunting, we tend to have detailed gear lists and keep everything very organized. So, you know, why shouldn't we do the same thing with, you know, hunting mountain bucks in the Appalachian range? So I'm a big believer in staying organized and having a system to make your hunts go smoother and hunting the Appalachian range is definitely different than hunting the Midwest and other areas for whitetails on public land or whether that's big private tracks that are open to public hunting, whatever that might be, we're packing in our stands, packing them out every single day, breaking down the deer and packing out the meat and other caveats that are just different than what you read in most magazines. So this means that we have to have a specific you know, list of tools needed and used to accommodate this unique hunting style. So with that being said, I'll talk through my gear list here for what I'm carrying in my pack and on me during the rut in Pennsylvania and, and any, anywhere else really within this Appalachian range. So just to give you a heads up, I'm going to talk about all these things in detail. Um, but I'm also going to put this gear list up online in a blog post as of today, it'll be released with links to where you can find everything, all the details on that. So definitely check that out as well. All right. So let's start with the main focus of this, which would be where everything is stored. And that's the pack. The funny thing about that is I can't talk about the pack. (laughs) So I'm running a prototype pack that that I've been working on for quite a while with the company and there'll be a lot more details on that. Hopefully here in early 2020, I can release that, but right now I can't talk about it. But what I would say about packs is for this style of hunting, something that can carry weight, can carry a stand or saddle or whatever you might be bringing in all your stuff to sit all day to be able to pack meat out if you need, be able to have all of that in a pack. That's what I look for anyways. I'm not super minimalist when it comes to the pack itself. I like to be able to carry everything and carry it comfortably. So again, I'll be able to talk about that a little bit more in the future. So to go what's inside my pack, something that you don't see in normal uh, whitetail packs is I carry a SteriPen Classic 3 water filter. So it's a little UV filter that I carry to with my East Meets West Nalgene bottle. It's a 32 ounce water bottle that I can fill that up and drink it. And if I'm moving spots or scouting or doing whatever that is and I need more water, I can just fill it up in a stream and filter that water so it gets rid of any of the bacteria. I'm not going to get sick from it and be able to do that. The thing weighs next to nothing and it's just nice inside the pack. To go through my electronics, so I'm using a Black Diamond Storm headlamp. I believe it's 340 lumens. The thing is bright as hell when you need it. It has the feature to switch it over to red, green, blue lights. Um, you can change the the brightness of it for anything, but I love that that headlamp. It takes four AAAs, put lithiums in there. They last a long time. Uh, in addition to that, I'm carrying my Garmin InReach Mini. A lot of the places I hunt that I just don't have cell reception and I'm hunting by myself. So the Garmin inReach, like I carry out West is used to be able to, is like a safety feature. I can text from anywhere in the world 
through satellite rather than through cell signal. Uh, I carry a dark energy Poseidon battery backup that'll charge my phone. It'll charge my watch. It'll charge just about anything that I have. I have cords for it. And that dark energy Poseidon's waterproof, shockproof, the whole bit. It's perfect for hunting. I keep that in my pack. I also carry four extra AAA batteries for my headlamp, eight AA batteries for trail cameras, and I always have uh, another camera, trail camera, in my pack as I'm scouting, moving around, and you know, finding spots, I want to have at least one trail camera in my pack to be able to deploy at any time. So I keep an Exodus Trek trail camera in my pack for those reasons. To break down the clothing system that I'm wearing. So I look at clothing as that same I do for Western hunts. I'm not wearing anything cotton, nothing cotton whatsoever. I'm going to wear a mixture of synthetic blends, polyesters and merino wool to be able to make sure that it's quick drying. You know, I'm hiking in, sweating and everything. I can dry out. It's going to, my system's going to pull the moisture from my skin to my outer layers. So to go through that a little bit, especially during, so most of the time I'm wearing a core, Sika gear, core, lightweight, long sleeve as a basis, lightweight base layer to pull it out. But lately I've been using their Merino heavyweight zip T base layer. And I was always against wearing like a heavier weight against your skin, but the way this this product is designed is it has a polyester face against your skin and then a merino outer to it. And it almost acts as two different layers. So the polyester synthetic at the the rate against your skin is pulling that moisture out. The merino stays warm even when wet. It's a, a really good uh, base layer. So for the top. For the bottoms, I'm wearing the Sika's Merino Boxer. Um, again, no cotton anywhere, not even my underwear. So I'm wearing the Sika Merino Boxer. Um, and then as far as the bottoms, I will wear the Sika Merino Heavyweight Bottoms, uh, depending on the temperature. I'll wear that underneath, which is the same as the top layer. On top of that, I'm going to wear the Sika Gear Equinox Pants. And it's a lightweight pant, four-way stretch, breathable, really nice to hike in. And then the Fanatic hoodie on top of that, which is a heavyweight like thermal uh, layer that I wear as a mid-layer. It's got a built-in face mask, flip-out hand mitts, just nice things. And then, of course, my East Meets West Mountain Bucks hat for good luck there. So I'm wearing. that's what I'm wearing to walk in. Nothing else, doesn't really matter how cold it is, I'm wearing that to walk in to make sure that I can, you know, manage my heat and sweat, you know, better. And then after that, I'm packing in the rest of my clothes. So in the bottom of my pack at any time is the Sika Gear Celsius Midi. It's a packable insulation layer. It's extremely quiet. It's similar to the Kelvin Active Jacket. It has um, the active insulation in it, so you can hike in it and you won't get extremely hot. I don't like to wear this one hiking. It's more of a sitting thing for me, but I always keep that in my pack because it's so light and packs down very small. My favorite most used outer layers are the Sika Gear Stratus Jacket and Bib combination. I'm a bib guy. I like the full zips on the side. I can slip them on right before I climb up my sticks and put those on and then uh the the stratus jacket as well that those that system right there will get me through 90 percent of my season in pennsylvania down below freezing um you can either wear or not wear the celsius midi depending on the temperatures that's a really bulletproof system the the stratus jacket and bibs are windproof so they're not not very heavy when you pick them up but They'll definitely keep you warm with the proper layering underneath. And Windstopper is not waterproof, but it's highly water resistant. So it gets me through most rainstorms that I might encounter um, in that time frame. And then I'll keep the the Sika Stratus beanie, which is a Windstopper beanie, in my in my uh, pack as well. And as far as I guess I should mention socks. So I use Darn Tough, the Hunter socks that go up to your knee. Um, 
Darn Tufts a merino blend or a merino blend sock, and they have a lifetime warranty with it. They're not cheap. They're like twenty bucks a pair, but these things are so worth it. They're made right in Vermont. Lifetime warranty on socks. I've had the same pair. Uh, I have a, a multiple pairs, but I've had the same ones for five years now, and I have no rips in them, which is unheard of from a merino sock or any sock really whatsoever. So they're really well built and definitely worth the money in my opinion. And then as far as gloves, most of the season I'm just wearing the the Sika Fanatic glove, which has the your index finger and your thumb cut out uh, for you know using your release or whatever. That I I don't wear a lot for gloves. I usually you know put them in my hand pockets and I'm fine inside the the stand there. As far as footwear goes. So this is something that uh, I, I I wear all the time in the whitetail season. It's the Crispy Wild Rock Gore-Tex. They're 400 gram of insulation. So they're lightly insulated, but not so much that you're sweating your balls off walking in. Um, they dry quick. So they're a leather boot and I wear those at all times. And as the weather gets colder, I slip on something that's called a hot mock. So they don't, Hot Mox is out of business now, so you can't find them anymore. I picked them up on thir- for $13 on eBay about five, six years ago. Best investment I ever made. I'm pretty sure Arctic Shield Icebreaker makes things similar to them now. They're like a, a booty that goes over top of your boot, and you slip a uh, hot hands body warmer in each of them, and my feet are toasty all throughout. I struggled for years with rubber boots and trying to wear those and and i was you know part of the all i don't want to leave any scent and all that stuff and to me if i can sit all day um i'd rather i don't don't care as much about the scent that's left down but rubber boots like i said my feet would sweat walking in i tried changing socks tried everything but the inside liner that boot is always going to be wet and since they're rubber they don't dry so that's why i don't wear rubber boots and and like to wear a, a leather boot um inside my pack from call standpoint, I'm big on calling. I'm aggressive on calling, especially during the rut. And I have a Flambo Mad Hyper Growl Grunt Tube. It's a deep grunt, big grunt tube. I just love the sound of that call. And then just the Primos Big Bleak Can. Just a bleak can that you put your finger over the hole and turn it over. It's super simple. I like to make uh, grunt bleat sequences where I'd hit the bleat can, then some tendon grunts coming after it. That calling sequence has been the, the best, you know, for me personally. At the bottom of my pack, I have the, the hunting slash kill kit. So that's where you have an animal on the ground. Everything's there to be able to cut it up in the field, put it in game bags and take it out. So inside that kill kit, I keep my iron will ultralight hunting knife and the iron will ceramic carbide knife and broadhead sharpener. A sharpener weighs one ounce. It'll sharpen my hunting knife and my broadheads with just a couple swipes. Um, using Alaskan game bags. I use the same ones I do for elk. You could get smaller ones, but I just use the same ones. They're washable, throw them in the washing machine and reuse them again. Keeps all the bugs off them, keeps the dirt off them. Uh, they're really, really good for that. Uh, keep some flagging tape in there, paracord for hanging the meat in the tree. If I need to, if there's snow, I'll just lay the meat on the snow, uh, latex gloves. Um, I should use those more than I do. I usually don't use gloves, but I do have them. Uh, then my hunting tags and license I keep inside one, uh, Kafaru, pullout so i believe it's the medium size pullout it's waterproof or water resistant and i keep everything in that one pouch so whenever an animal's on the ground i grab that pouch and everything's within it as far as the camera gear i'm carrying i have my sony a7 III camera that i just picked up it is an awesome camera i finally upgraded to it um, it's a mirrorless body it's it's pretty expensive but I wanted to up the game, my photography, and I'd been using an entry-level Canon Rebel T5 camera up to that point, which is a great camera. It's taken all my photos up until a couple weeks ago, but um, it's just ready to upgrade. So with that, I'm running a Sigma 35mm f1.4 lens, 
It's the only one I have for it right now. The only one that I could afford. Um, using a Vanguard VEO tripod that is also a dual purpose for glassing. Um, but I also use that for, you know, setting up my camera, especially if I'm by myself and have a buck on the ground or whatever that might be. I use that. It's an aluminum tripod, not the lightest one available, but, uh, it works for me. And then I also keep an extra camera battery and SD card as well in, in the pack. From an optic standpoint, I'm carrying the Maven B3 8x30s. I talked about them in the intro. Uh, those little, just little tiny binoculars are so great for the whitetail woods. And and again, use the code EastMeetsWest-GIFT. You get yourself a free gift with any optics orders from Maven. So over at mavenbelt.com. Uh, really, like I said, th- that those binoculars have you know changed it. When I was younger, I never even carry binoculars i said you can't see that far in the woods yeah yeah, i can tell what it is but now i just sit there and i pick it apart especially hunting close to bedding areas and stuff you'd be amazed what you can see by carrying some glass and when you carry heavier binos around your neck you're more often than not going to take them off because they're just weighing on you all day and you hang them next to you on the tree whether it's on a hook or whatever and that doesn't do you any good if they're not around your neck. My rangefinder is a Nikon Pro Staff 7i. Uh, I've been using that for years, have no complaints with it. It has the angle compensation, and I range all my trees you know, ahead of time because usually you don't have time to range the deer when they're coming in. And then my binos are hung on a Sika Gear bino harness. I don't use my marsupial gear one like I normally would, so it's just open, hanging around my neck. From a food standpoint, so I'm big on snacks. If I'm going to sit all day, I need to have ample amount of snacks. The beginning of that all goes through my Heather's Choice Packaroons. I'll carry two of them with me at any time. Um, I also have Mountain Ops Ignite and BCAA uh, trail packs in there that I mix in my Nalgene bottle. Give you a little bit of electrolytes and some energy for those long sits. And then... Sometimes I'll bring another bottle for an ammo trail pack, which is like a meal replacement, a nice lunchtime snack that gives you all the nutrients and stuff that you need. Uh, Cliff bar, I carry just usually a white macadamia nut or whatever else cliff bar that I have in there. Kirkland trail mix, a little single serving packets. Uh, I throw those in my pack. F-bomb beef stick. So it's just a high fat, high calorie little beef stick that's actually healthy for you, not filled with a bunch of, um, you know, fillers and everything in there. It's just, it's a good healthy snack there. And then lastly, a one protein bar. It's O-N-E protein bar. And my favorite flavor that brings out the kid in me is the birthday cake flavor. So I use that as well. And those things should get me through a day of hunting in the tree stand. Some can do with less. I like to have a lot of food. <laughs> so to look at my stand setup. So what I'm doing, what I'm sitting in in the tree. This year I started running a saddle. So I'm going to talk about that a little bit. I've loved the saddle system so far. Definitely need to practice with it more. But um, it's so quick and easy to set up. I can carry it with me at all times and be extremely mobile. I'm using a tethered Mantis saddle and their Predator platform. And... So I'm using that with uh, in conjunction with Hawk Helium Sticks. Um, so the Hawk Sticks have been good for me. I like the Lone Wolf ones a lot too. And I've used those. But the Hawk Helium Sticks are the ones that I have. I carry four sticks. Uh, I'm going to try to do some different things next year. Uh, just getting into researching the whole saddle hunting game. And I see people using different things that you don't need as many sticks. So I'm going to look into that. And then I use a black diamond daisy chain. So basically that's, you know, a tether that wraps around the tree. And I put a, a carabiner on one side to hang my backpack from and then use a hero clip carabiner and hook to hang my bow from it. That way you don't need to, you know, screw anything into the tree, which you're not allowed to do on public land. And so that keeps you legal from that standpoint. And it's a very effective way to be able to hang all your stuff off the tree. 
and you can, the daisy chain allows you to put as many carabiners and things you want to hang as you want, but I just usually keep those two on there. And then scent. So I'm carrying the wild carrot, doe and estrus, sometimes the dominant buck. Uh, scents with me, single tear. Scents, I've talked about them before. They're a really great addition to my pack. I'll tie them to my boot and drag them in, make a scent trail. And then I hang them on the scrape that would be in the area. And then also I'm running uh, Smokey's preorbital gland scent on the licking branch of all the scrapes that I make as well or or that were there already. And then some miscellaneous stuff that I have. Um, a first aid emergency kit. I carry Luco tape, gauze wipes, ibuprofen, electrical tape, tweezers, splints, a bunch of random stuff in there. But I'd, I've really slimmed down my first aid kit over the years to things that make sure that I know how to use them. I've taken some first aid classes and stuff to try to really be able to help you out. I mean, it's, yes, it's extra weight to your pack, but it can really help you in the long run if you have those things when you need them. And then one of the most <clears throat> important things is some sort of a wind checker. So I'll either use the bottle or if I remember to get some milkweed, that is definitely the better way to go with using milkweed because you can see the, the different wind tunnels and as you can see how the wind's actually working from the time you know you release it out of your stand till when it hits the ground so um in addition to that i have my smith and wesson shield 40 handgun i carry that with me more from a self-defense standpoint and i just i just feel better when i have that i'm always carrying so why not do it while i'm hunting as well and then lastly, this depends on the setup and where I'm hunting, but I'll carry a Montana decoy, the doe decoy. It's a two-dimensional decoy. It looks lifelike, and it folds up really small. I just put it on the outside of my pack and carry that in. Um, decoys can be hit or miss. They can either help you or they can hurt you. My dad's a big believer in them. Some of my uncles use them religiously, and they can be, they can be really great. So... Anyways, that basically rounds out my pack and everything that's in it. Uh, in addition, just to give you a brief rundown of my bow setup, I'm using Prime Logic CT3 this year. It's a 33-inch axle-to-axle bow with the Synergy technology. So center grip really helps with the steadier aim. I love that that bow. Uh, I mean, I, I like it a lot. It's it. Uh, it seems to really help with the center grip as far as accuracy goes and running the spot hog uh fast eddie xl site it's a double pin site i leave the top pin clicked on 25 yards the second one all depends on the speed of your bow but it'll come out around for me about 38 yards and that covers just about all the whitetail woods for me i don't need to adjust the site i just know where to pin gap and how to aim from there so that site has been good to me. I've been using that for a lot of years. And as far as the rest goes, I switched to a limb-driven rest this year. It's a Hamski Pro Hunter uh, rest, and it's it's so easy to set up compared to my QAD that I've used years ago, where it's you know you're tying into the cable, or this goes right to the the limb, and really easy to set up. Love that that rest on there. And then I'm running a stokerized stasis stabilizer where it's about an eight inch bar coming out the front and a six inch off the back. And I don't need to add a whole lot of weight to the back because the, the prime is very well balanced, but my spot hog is heavy. So I like to throw a little bit of, I think I put two ounces on the back and one ounce on the front, not a whole lot of weight, but it just seems to help there. And then I'm running a tight spot quiver, five arrow quiver stays tight to the bow i usually do take it off in the tree stand but um i practice with it on most of the time because if i'm on the ground hunting or whatever i always keep my quiver on my arrow and broadhead combination using the gold tip platinum pierce arrows is a small or micro diameter arrow um when i have an extra 20 uh grains of weight up front and I screw into the back of the insert and then 125 grain iron will 
125. It's a solid, so it's the S125 broadhead, and it's a fixed blade, bulletproof. So I shot my elk with 60 yards, complete pass through, broke the ribs, and stuck into a sagebrush branch or uh, base of the tree on the other side came out just as sharp and like i said i carry that broadhead sharpener in my pack for some reason if i needed to to use that as well so well that was my you know entire list there it's always changing as i'm tweaking and finding out what works best for me and my style hunting like i said i'm looking to lighten up my saddle hunting setup even more using less sticks next year but uh, that basically is the full rundown of it, and I'm looking forward to to using that, uh, you know, next year and and really expanding my game there. Well, I hope this this podcast here has helped out a little bit um, with anyone that's you know going through a season, you know, common struggles and you know takeaways, lessons learned. We all have things to learn, and I can I've learned so much from you guys listeners that have you know sent me messages and stuff and have talked to my friends my family everything else so it's it's great to get to learn from this community i mean hunting mountain bucks is not easy no matter what you say and how much experience you have it's always tough it's always difficult and i love hearing from people that are you know doing similar things like that so definitely reach out to me if you have any questions or just want to tell me a story of your hunt i mean i love hearing that kind of stuff once again you can find that whole gear list over at eastmeetswesthunt.com slash journal that'll be live today and you can check out all the products i was talking about here with links to them just to let you know i a lot of the links that i have go to amazon and the amazon link that i have uh to all these things basically i set up an account with amazon that when anyone uses one of these links i get a small commission off it i mean it's not much money but it does help a little bit with you know funding the podcast and doing all this stuff so if you want to use it that's great uh you know i always recommend you know buying from a local bow shop first anything that you can but if not you know check out my link there and i also set up an online store in amazon so i have a a link to that in that article as well so i have an online store uh it's an east meets west outdoors amazon store that has categories for my whitetail hunting gear my you know western hunting stuff backcountry nutrition camera gear all my stuff is listed on there that you can find on amazon so check that out as well All right, well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast here, and uh, we'll talk again next week. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit eastmeetswesthunt.com, Facebook at East Meets West Outdoors, and Instagram at East Meets West Hunt. If you enjoyed today's episode, please review and subscribe, and we'll catch you next time.